Gang, I'm Dr. A.D. Rourke, and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Today, that's right, Wednesday, July 17th, the day this podcast is coming out, it's the last day to grab your spot at Uncharted Staff Drama Conference before the price goes up. The price is going to go up 150 bucks after today. Jump in there, get your spot, registration closes in one week. That's right, one week, and it's going to be locked down. You want to be there August 21st through 24th in Kansas City. It's going to be amazing. Get your spot right away before the chance is gone. Now, with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we're back. It's me and the one and only Stephanie, part-time lover goss. <laughs> She's a part-time oh. lover. She's a full-time practice manager, part-time uh, consultant, full-time mom. She has hobbies, and she's a part-time lover. Hard to fit it all into a day, isn't it, Steph? There are not enough hours in, in every day. How's it going, Andy? It's <laughs> it's good. It's good. I'm glad to be doing this with you. I know. I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about this one. We've got a we've got a good, good topic that came in through the mailbag today, right? I I love the mailbag. If you have questions for me and Stephanie and you would like us to take a crack at them, it's podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. We are going to uh, let's lay this one out. I'll, I'll share with you because this is a great email. Get this, it gives us plenty of juice to work with, um, and we love that juice. And so here we go. <laughs> so um, this is from inventory manager slash social media manager, and the subject is how uh, how to do a job on top of the job. And so the email comes in and says, I currently work as a technician and inventory manager at a four doctor general practice. I have been with the practice eight years and I'm wholly dedicated to it and its improvement and welfare. Um, I perform all general technician duties, such as appointments, housekeeping, surgery, and lab. On top of general duties, I'm responsible for inventory from about 12 different vendors, pricing and coding in new products and services, vendor liaison communications, uh, biannual staff sample requisition, and corporate inventory counts and adjustments, handling all rebate programs through vendors, diagnostic diagnostic (laughs) reimbursement through IDEX, and weekly orders, if not more uh, often when needed. I am generally given no extra time for my inventory tasks, and I'm expected to perform these tasks between appointments and during lab or surgery assignments. I may have a, quote, float day, but usually find myself loading work in for technician appointments or performing other duties needed that take immediate precedent over inventory duties. I face continual stress over my inventory duties and getting them done in a timely fashion or before deadline. All right, this next part is important. When I go to the managers about stress, they seem to not understand or offer to help, which usually turns into things not being done correctly or up to my standards, which I also understand as I am very dedicated to my inventory tasks being managed perfectly. So I have stopped asking for help 
and generally stress myself out more to get it all done with zero empathy or understanding. My question is this. Is this general practice? <laughs> all right. Um, she goes on to say, I see loads of information, uplisting posts on your Facebook page, but sometimes I feel that the staff managing inventory are never mentioned for the role they play. I feel we are directly in line for practice profit, making sure we can supply demand while keeping product costs as low as possible. Yet we and the work we do never seem to be part of the equation of a smoothly running practice. Mm -hmm. All right, let's leave it there. All right. I think this is a fantastic one. And I think, um, you know, you, when you and I were, were discussing this, we threw in um, the other job that came to mind for both of us that is cropping up in a very similar way in a lot of practices is the idea of someone who's the social media manager or who's doing, uh, you know, the marketing and, and social for a practice. I think both of those jobs, the inventory manager role and the social media or marketing person role tend to fall into this same category where there is um, there is a, a job that has been layered on top of the job that you've been hired to do and um, you're feeling like you're drowning trying to figure out how it's all supposed to get done, right? Oh, totally. Sure. I mean, we all know the old, you know, the old pathway of the reward for doing your job really well is getting to do other people's jobs too. And, and people, and we get new responsibility. They're like, you're crushing it as a technician. Want to be responsible for managing the other technicians? You're crushing as a doctor. Do you want to be responsible for setting protocols for the whole practice? And it makes total sense, right? Someone's doing a good job. And so they get asked to take on more responsibility. Like, you can always find the most effective people because they're the people who are doing the most stuff. And it's just, they, they, they pick it up, they get stuff done. And if you want to get something done, you go to someone who's busy Yeah, because they get stuff done. The people who are not busy, you know, oftentimes that's because they're not knocking stuff out of the park as far as, you know, being reliable, being self-starters, you know, just really doing great work. That's not always true. And these are just, um, these, you know, these are just sort of stereotypes that we hear, but there's, there's a grain of truth in them. When you do a great job, people will ask you to do more stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's uncommon for great people to end up feeling like, how do I get it all done? And there aren't enough hours in a day Mm -hmm. from a practice standpoint. It makes total sense to give things to these people until you burn them out. Right. And you lose them and you make them miserable or depressed or just beaten down or resentful that they're working their butts off and other people, you just seem to get a blind eye. Mm -hmm. And so the rest of the team is standing around talking and chatting and your best person is busting her butt because she's got the most stuff to do. And mm-hmm. then then you got real problems and you have screwed up uh, as a practice leader. So it's an easy trap to fall into. You can see the pathway from a leadership management side and you can see the ultimate negative outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think when I when I first read this one, my first thought was um, this is 
to me, I can see from a leadership perspective where we are really setting uh, this person and these people, um, people who are in these roles up for failure. And I think that we need to talk about it. And I think we need to own our our piece of the responsibility in that as as leaders. And um, and so I think you know, for the, for the person who wrote this, I think we're going to walk through some, some ways to kind of look at this and try and tackle making sure that, um, you can get your job done and that there is, um, there's recognition for the time and energy and effort that you're putting into the job, um, both, uh, on a personal level in terms of feeling accomplished and also, um, you know, on a, on a rewards basis, whether it's financial or not. But, um, I think it's really important that as leaders, we look at how are we, how are we setting our people up for success? And so when I, when I read this, this, um, email, the first thing that came to my mind is that this person clearly knows what their job description is. They have a job description in their mind and they listed it out. You know, they, they, they're responsible for inventory from 12 different vendors. You know, they're putting in, in pricing on new products and services. I mean, that was a very extensive list. And my first question would be, does your practice owner, your practice manager and, or your, um, you know, if you're in a corporate practice, does not only your your practice leadership know that, but your field leadership do do they understand what the job description is? And and I would say that in my experience, a lot of the time, the the people in those roles have absolutely no idea what the job actually is in their in their mind. And I know because I've had this happen to me in their mind. It's like. Oh, hey, you know, like like you said, Andy, you're doing such a great job. You're, you know, you're crushing it. Do you think you would mind um, making sure that the ordering gets done and, you know, that everything stays stocked in the hospital? And it sounds so simple and so innocuous when you put it that way. Like, oh, you know, do you think you would you'd mind taking over, um, you know, just making sure that stuff gets ordered once a week? That is not the job. The job goes so much more beyond picking up the phone once a week and calling in in order to a distributor. And so I think that's for me, that's a big part of where it starts is um, figuring out what is the actual job, because whether everybody involved believes it or understands it or not, you have been given a job that should have a job description that goes along with it. What do you think? I agree. Let's play Let's play both sides of the table in this podcast. So let's start. Let's start with the inventory manager side, like you're doing. Okay. I think there's cards. Everybody's got cards to play. So 100%, you're right. She got asked to do this thing, and it is my experience. And I will tell you this: I am so guilty of this. I will. I will look at a problem, and I will turn to you, and I'll say, Stephanie, can you tackle this? And you will say yes. And then I will be done thinking about that problem. Let me just tell you how lucky I am because I have a team, a squad of people who I can turn to and say, will you tackle this problem? And they will say yes. And then I can forget about the problem because they are that good that they will do it. And that is an amazing blessing for me. And that's what we as leaders, God, we hope to have that. And so I feel fortunate every day. The downside to this is that when you have good people, 
and you say, hey, will you tackle that problem? Um, my approach generally is I, I don't, I'm not, I don't get into the details. I, I, I delegate these things and I don't tell people how to do them because I want them to have ownership of the activity. I want them to own the inventory system. And you can see in our email today that comes from our inventory manager, she's proud of what she does. Yep. She she said it needs to be perfect and I have my system and I do it. Kudos to the management here because they have allowed this person to build her system that she's proud of that works and is well ma managed as opposed to saying, here's what you're going to do and here's the checklist and here's all the things uh, that have to happen. Now, for some people, that checklist is required or it's not going to get done and they're, they need the checklist. In other cases, you can say, here is the problem. Can you tackle it? The risk, as I was going to say, is that you don't often fully understand all the intricacies that are going on in the thing that they're now doing. So I think about um, in my own career where I have um, been given the freedom to figure out the system that works best, as you said. And at the same time, when I sit down and I, I have figured out that system and I am doing the thing, when I sit down and I talk to my, to my practice owner, or even I've come across this with you, you're like, hey, Steph, can you do this thing? And I say, sure. And then I go and I do the thing and I'm like, okay, this is done. And you're like, cool. How long did that take you? And I'm like, no, oh, I don't know, you know, 10 hours. And you're like, really? I would have thought that would have taken like an hour. And, and so I think that that happens a lot in practice too. And I think a lot of the times the follow-up conversation doesn't happen where you talk through what is actually involved in the process. Because in someone's brain, when they're delegating something to you, like I said, it's really easy to think, oh, you're going to just place the inventory order once a week. And I hear this all the time, especially in general practice. When I talk to practice owners or I talk to practice managers, where they're like, oh, it should probably take an hour, maybe two tops a week to do the inventory job. But the reality is when you take all of those pieces that this person listed out and you actually go through and you time that process and you figure out how long does it actually take to do all of those things? And then how long does it take for this person to do those things well? Um, because it sounds like they have an extremely structured system and they are knocking it out of the park with this. Those two things may be night and day. What what I have in my head as a practice manager or as a practice owner in terms of, oh, yeah, can this person just do the inventory ordering? And what the actual reality is often are two separate things. And I think where both sides really struggle and suck, honestly, at this is sitting back down and having the follow-up conversation to say, okay, here, I've done the thing. And I've timed myself or I've I've written out my process and this is this is what I'm doing. Here's how much it's actually taking me in terms of time to do. I'm not sure how I feel about the, <laughs> the portrayal of me as, how long did that take you? 10 hours. Wow. Right, we're taking one. And part of me doesn't like it because I'm like, I'm more savvy than that. And another part of me says, there's truth to what she's saying. And, and I go back to this. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is, we it's not a saying, it's, it's a truth. We tend to overestimate what we can do in a year and 
underestimate wildly what we can do in 10 years. So I think, so that's, that's true. And, and you, you can find that cited a variety of places. I think that's even more amplified when you look at your day and my estimate of what I can accomplish in a day is ridiculously high. And then I do three things in a day and that's all. Then the day is over. And I think that we all have that, that thought or that experience. It's the same thing when we talk to our staff, we say, just, Hey Steph, can you just do the inventory? Just, just, it's like, like, like one afternoon a week, just, just bang it out. And in our mind, it takes 60 minutes. But the truth is when you get in there and you start doing it, especially if you're going to do it well, it takes much, much longer than that. So managers tend to underestimate the amount of time these things take because we just look at it at a very high level and just say, just do this. And we're not the ones down in the weeds. Okay. So I said, we're going to play the manager side of the table, the inventory manager side of the table. What does that mean for you? So we've talked all the way through this thing about how people underestimate the amount of time these things take. What does that mean? It means when you have this conversation, when you're starting to feel like, gosh, I don't have enough time to do these things anymore, I'm going to go talk to the manager. The first thing that you need to do, and not in an argumentative way, but you need to speak in specifics and try to help this person understand what you're really up against because we just laid out, you know, all the things that this manager is doing and, you know, maintaining 12 different vendor relations and pricing and coding new products. And she's a vendor liaison communications. That means she's going to lunch with the, with the pharma guys, uh, the, the, the buyer or, or two. No, no. To her credit, she's dealing with all the vendors that just show up at her hospital and ask the front desk, oh, is Stephanie free? Uh, just a second. I just It'll just take a second of her time. And then it takes 35 minutes to get them out the door. So to her credit, that in and of itself is the whole job. A hundred percent. She is the person that when the veterinarian is running around the back and the, uh, the vendor representative comes in, they, they don't grab the veterinarian. They, they pull her off the floor yes. and say, here, you talk to the vetikinol person. And then there she is. And not knocking the vendor reps. I love them. They, they do a great job. They're great supporters of our industry. Um, but, but somebody's got to talk to them, and it takes yes. time. Yes. And no one accounts for that time in management. And that's where a lot of these headaches come from. So back to the point our inventory manager has got to help her boss or her boss's boss or whoever visualize what is actually happening. And so going back to the conversation you and I had, and I'm trying to think of a specific example. I mean, if you, if you have one, throw it out, but, but I will say, Hey Steph, can you tackle this thing? And then I'll later on say, how was it? How much time did that take? Um, what was the investment there for, for you and your energies? And Stephanie will say, gosh, that took 10 hours. And I will say, well, I did not anticipate that being, 10 hours of your time, what happened? And at that point, she will then lay out, oh, these things happened, and then I had to talk to this person, and then we had to acquire this thing, which we didn't have, and then we have to talk about this person, and we have to get this thing set up, and we have a vendor contract with this person, and we don't have it with that person that we need to get this thing set up with. And I go, oh. And then appreciation comes into my heart, you know, because I'm like, I see what you did, and I see how much you invested into this, and that's wonderful. And I think it would be easy to go to a place of resentment and say, man, Andy, I told Andy it took me 10 hours. 
And he said, what happened? That guy, that guy is such a jerk. Oh, my puppy is rearranging the office here as we talk. <laughs> but but hopefully if you give me you know, give your boss the benefit of the doubt, some empathy and go, oh, he just doesn't understand what's involved. And speak in specifics so that that person can visualize it and understand. And I think that opens up a lot of doors. We've all been in positions where you're talking about one thing and the person across the table just doesn't get it. They're talking about something completely different. My, I just got back from the beach. I went to the beach with my, with my family and my brother was there with his wife and their two-year-old and their two-year-old's a little boy and he is energy level turned to 11. Like that guy does not stop and he's a little boy. And so he's tearing things apart. You know what I mean? And he's crashing things and he's throwing things. Well, my wife and I, we have two little girls. And I remember them being two and they sat nicely on a blanket and they played with toys in the prescribed way the toys were meant to be played with. And so when my brother says, I can't go do this thing with you, I'm watching Henry, my thought goes to my daughters. I'm like, oh, this is a simple thing. I don't understand why you can't. Somebody else could watch him while you go do this thing. And then when I see this boy just climbing the curtains and digging the plants out of their pots. I go, oh, you're doing a different thing than what I imagined. And suddenly my sympathy soars and I understand much more. And now he and I can have a productive conversation about his schedule and what he could do and how we could spend time together. And I... <laughs> I think a lot of people in hospitals are herding cats and sometimes getting your boss to see the cats that you're herding is the greatest obstacle in being appreciated in being compensated in, uh, in being promoted in any of those things. And so it's a graceful dance to do, but making the person see and understand what is going into the work that you're doing is it is the first step. It is a make or break step in getting the support that you need. Do you sure. agree with that? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I think that that's where <clears throat> a lot of times we fail as the employee. And I know I have certainly been in this role and, and I, I use, you know, I use you as an example um, because I, I learned a very powerful lesson from it when, when we first started working together and um, you know, I was working on some projects and we had this conversation and, and we were talking through, um, you know, what I had done and you were like, um, you know, well, so how, how long do you think that it took? And I, I, I threw out a gut number because I knew that it had, excuse me, I knew it had taken me a lot of time, but I, I second guessed myself because your reaction was like, really, I didn't think it would take that long. And I realized that I was going with a gut sense. And what I found actually, when I started being a good employee for you and I sat down and I started actually <laughs> like writing down, um, what was I actually doing and keeping track of the steps? And I, I actually timed myself and I filmed myself doing something so I could figure out like, am I, am I missing things? Am I wasting time in here or, or what is actually my process? And so when I actually sat down, I found out <clears throat> a, that I could come up with a, 
a process to walk you through to try and have it make sense to you. Um, but also, I wasn't going with my gut instinct. And I think that as employees, this is where we often fail because we go off of the emotional reaction that our bosses have. And it's quite common. Um, I've done it as a manager to have the same exact reaction as you, which is like, really? Why did that take so long? Like, I didn't, I didn't think it would take that long at all. And our emotional response to it as employees is like, oh, shit, did I do something wrong? Maybe I took too long. Maybe maybe I, like, made a big deal out of that and it didn't need to be. And so we are often guilty of um, undercutting ourselves there and saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, the, some other stuff came up, but I'm sure I can do it better next time when the answer really should be, I don't know. How, how long did it take me? And so that's where, for me, I go back to, um, you know, can you can you make a spreadsheet? Can you can you time yourself? Can you um, write up what you're doing? Can you figure out in numbers and sense what it is that you're doing so that you can quantify that to the person you're working with who has a gut sense in their head of where they are, and all of a sudden it feels like they're over here at, at point A and you're all the way over here at point B, and there's miles in between the two of you. And so I think that's where as employees, we can fall short. And so I would say to this manager, you know, I, I would ask you, have you clocked yourself doing these things? Do you know how much time it's taking? And if you have a really strong gut sense and you feel like you're all the way over here at, at point B and your manager, or your um, MDVM or your, your field leadership are way across the pond, you need to do something to quantify that for them. Whether it's filming yourself, stopwatch timing yourself. When we do it with our doctors and surgery, right? If you have multiple doctors and you want to see how long it takes them all to do a surgery, you time them all and you come up with an average. Do the same thing for yourself. Don't go with a gut sense because I promise that your human instinct will be to way underestimate yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, so two, two quick points on that. Uh, and my recollection is that when you actually timed yourself, it took more time yeah. than what you had quoted me. And so Steph is nodding. It it did it it did. So she threw out a number to me and, I, and say, "Oh, this took me ten hours." And I was like, "God, I thought it'd take take like ninety minutes." And then what was funny is, you know, so she went with her gut, which she lowballed herself in how much time it actually took to really do this thing. And I think that that's the norm. I think we all huh? underestimate how much time things will take us to do and how much time they did take us to do. Right. And so so she lowballed herself, and then you know, sort of looking back is when I said, oh, I thought it would take about 90 minutes. I think subconsciously, emotionally, the message that you probably received is, Steph, you let me down. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, 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 and that's human instinct, right? Is to feel like, oh God, did I disappoint this person? I did the job wrong. Like that's immediately where my brain went to. Right. And uh, let me just say here, uh, of course, and, and I... <laughs> I, I feel, I'm feeling a bit defensive. I'm feeling a defensive in, in that, in that I don't want anybody to think, and please validate this or tell me that I'm wrong. When she said this took, oh, it took me 10 hours. I said, oh, I thought it'd take you about 90 minutes. That was not, I hope you never felt that that was an aggressive barb. You know what I mean? Or that that was criticism or that I had my arms crossed like, that should have taken you 90 minutes. I think that I just opened my mouth and said the thing that was honestly in my head as I superficially thought about the task. Oh, I thought that would be 90 minutes. In my defense as well, I think when you look at yourself in the clinic and you're a manager, you're on the floor and you say, hey, Steph, 
I know you're a technician. I know you're working on the floor. Can you come off the floor when you get a second and do this task? In our mind, again, we wildly underestimate the task. Mm -hmm. And our idea is Stephanie will be gone for a tiny amount of time that no one will even notice. And then she will be back on the floor. Or... Even even more so, we imagine her splitting herself in half, not actually leaving the floor, <laughs> but somehow doing the thing and then merging back into her floor body. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's just it's just human nature. And I just I'm saying this because one, it's, it's true for me, and I'm just being honest uh, and, and a bit vulnerable about about my weaknesses. But I think that it is human nature. I think that we all go there. On one hand, you do want to push your people to work hard for you and to get things done and to be efficient. So we want to be mindful of time and and press them to get stuff done. That's just efficiency. On the other hand, most of us underestimate the amount of time that things are going to take and including ourselves when we do a task. Mm-hmm. And I think that can lead to resentment. So mm-hmm. again, timing yourself. So that's the first thing I want to say about what Steph said. The second thing I want to say is, I just want to make it absolutely certain, I am not some freak who said, I need you to film yourself doing the thing so I can watch you and make sure (laughs) that it really took you 10 hours. I'm going to watch it, not in fast motion, in real time, to validate that you actually worked for 10 hours. Okay, let's be That's not what happened. I did not, I did not, I didn't even know about her filming herself. Let's, let's be clear here for a second. So yes, Andy, (laughs) but let's, let's talk about my own, let, let me be vulnerable for a minute and say that I have my own neuroses, right? And so you're right. My, my first immediate, when this first happened, and just so everybody knows, this is, you know, something that, that Andy and I have talked through and I, I do not intend to throw you under the bus in any way, but I feel like our relationship is strong enough to be vulnerable and share stuff like this with, with um, our listeners. And so, um, you know, for me, it was like, I did have that moment of human instinct where I was just like, Oh God, is he upset? Because it took me way longer than he thought that it was. And so for me, my nature and instinct is to go, okay, well, what did I just throw out a gut number and Andy's right when he said that I really actually underestimated, but the only way that I found that out was to say, okay, well, what did I actually do? And for me, that means having actual black and white numbers. And, um, I, I made a chart, you guys, I'm a nerd. I I had a Google, I had a spreadsheet. I timed myself doing, doing pieces of it. And the way that I could do that is, um, you know, when I'm doing this thing, I hit record on on my phone and I'm I'm, you know, watching how long does it actually take me to do the thing? And is it taking me longer because I've been, um, you know, interrupted and I and when you were talking about splitting yourself in two and being on the floor <laughs> and still trying to do this other thing, I think that this is this is where timing yourself or or filming yourself really will come in handy for you guys in the in the practice is because when your practice owner or your practice manager says, hey, you know, Steph, when you have a second, can you, um, you know, step off the floor and go handle this thing? So much of what takes time to get it done is managing the interruptions while you're trying to do that thing. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to know was, okay, did I, did this take me twice as long because I was managing the interruptions or as I found out and through a lot of our conversations, a lot of what we work on falls into um, more of what maybe some of our social 
media managers and our marketing managers handle, which is um, the creative stuff. And so for us, there's a lot of conversations involved in brainstorming and kind of thinking creatively. And I think we tend to discount that time. And I know um, I've worked with social media managers in my practice. When I asked them how long did it take them to to make me a Facebook post, they're like, well, the actual post itself took five minutes. And I'm like, okay, but how long did it take you to come up with the theme for that and to make the graphic and to, you know, pick the colors and to find the photo and to take the photo in the practice? And they're like, well, that doesn't count. Well, of course that counts. That's part of the process. And so I think that's where as an employee, we're selling ourselves short and where as much as a, <laughs> a nerd as I am, where things like filming myself and timing myself really came into play because I wanted to know what is it that I'm, what is it that I'm doing? How do I quantify that? And is this an important piece of it or are there chunks of time that are getting lost to the interruptions, um, especially as an inventory manager, because then that becomes part of your argument is to say, well, yes, it actually took me two and a half hours to literally get on the phone and place this order because 15 times someone came and asked me to help me with a patient while I was trying to do it. And so I could accomplish this exact same task in half the time if I had the time dedicated to, to actually take myself off of the floor to go in the other room, to go in the doctor's office, whatever it is, um, to solve that problem. And I think a lot of that only comes from really critically looking at what is it that you're doing and coming up with a black and white um, picture to be able to look at with your with your boss or um, with your practice owner. So, yeah. you know, I I did not intend to throw you under the bus there, Andy. <laughs> Oh, you didn't. I, I no, I, I don't think you did. I, I think so. This is this is I think this is a great parallel to what we're talking about with our inventory manager. Is I had and I, I wish I could remember the exact thing. Um, but I had asked you to do something, and it was just kind of a one-off side thing. And then I said, "How long did that take?" And 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 that's that's where we ended up. And I think that that's exactly what's happening with this inventory manager. Is she was asked to do this thing, and then people are like, "What do you mean you don't have time in your day?" So I think there's great parallels though. I remember from that, um, the thing that I learned as, uh, as a, a leader boss manager was that me saying, Oh, I thought that would take 60 minutes or I thought that would take 90 minutes. I, that was not the, that was not the best response to that when you said, Oh, it took 10 minutes or two hours. And that was much longer than I thought it was my immediate response. And so I said it, right. What, what I learned and what I would say now is if I said, hey, Steph, could you knock this thing out for me? And you came back and I said, how long did, uh, how, how was that? How long did that take? And you say, oh, it took me 10 hours. I would not say, oh, I thought it would take you an hour. What I would say is, gotcha. Can you walk me through your process and, 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 and let me know what that entailed or help me understand what, what you were up against? Yep. And I'm not going to show you my cards of what my expectations were because then your first thought is, I didn't meet Andy's expectations and you either feel bad and feel like I failed or you feel angry. You're like, who is this jerk to think that I could do this? Nobody can do this. And this guy is completely unreasonable. So it's my, yeah, my takeaway from that was I'm not going to show you my expectations. If I'm surprised, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to say, walk me, walk me through what was involved. And so mm -hmm. when we talk about social media managers, I love that you brought that up as an example you would talk to someone who's a social media manager in your, in your practice. And you would say, 
great. I'm glad you're getting started doing social media for us. How much time did you spend on social media last week? And they'll say 10 hours and you go, what? <laughs> that is ridiculous. I thought you would spend less than one. This is crazy. And you can see this. And I have heard this story many, many times. The correct play as the manager to say, okay, walk, walk me through that time and, and through the week. Mm-hmm. And what you hope happens and what probably happens if they say they spent 10 hours on social media is they were building out templates. Mm-hmm. They were getting things set up. They were getting them designed. This is a infrequent time investment so that from here on, they can quickly generate content in a very efficient way and get it out. And it's going to look fantastic. And you are going to reap the benefits of the setup time they spent for a long time to come. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about when I when I say hide your expectations a little bit, ask the question. But again, that all comes from the employee. If you're having these conversations, speak in specifics, mm-hmm. help this person see what you're doing and get this stuff on the table. Yeah, and and I think that that often leads to for me the the second tool in your toolbox in terms of um trying to help your manager understand what your job is, which is, which is your, the training piece of it. And so for me, that in the next questions that I would ask myself and did ask myself when I went through this, this, this exercise myself was to say, can I do things more efficiently? And, and if I can, why can I do them efficiently in, in some environments and not in others? And so as an inventory manager, you know, when I was in that role, I was asking myself the question, can I do this more efficiently? And the answer was always yes. And the answer was yes, because I had the 95 interruptions and I was being asked, can you hold this patient? Can you call this client? Can you do this? Can you do that? And so I think, um, you know, it speaks directly to the email that we got from this person, which is that the job is so much more than just placing the inventory order. And I think it's the same for our social media managers and our marketing managers. It's like, the job is so much more than just making the Facebook post. And so I think if that's all that everybody thinks that you're doing, the expectation is always going to be that of a of an owner or manager. And I think Andy and I have both been in this position, which is to say, wait, it took you how long to do that? Because because in our brains it's it is that it is that simple. And so it's it is up to you as an employee to think. Um, what are the steps and then walk us through the steps because then we as managers and leaders can a have our eyes opened to what it is that you're actually doing and b can help address the the questions like can you do things more efficiently do i need to dedicate time to this um, and the answer is yes um for any of you owners or managers that are listening and your answer is no i'm going to tell you you're wrong the answer is yes there needs to be time dedicated off the floor for them to do um, this aspect of the job. But are there things that you can help them do so that they can do their job more efficiently? And then the other questions that I have um, regarding tool number two is, do you have the training that you need? I mean, part of part of the part of the challenge often in a veterinary hospital setting is that we are learning by being thrown into the deep end of the pool. And we often don't provide the proper training um, and the proper support to teach people how to do the job that they are doing. And this goes back to what you said in the very beginning, Andy, which is that 
the reward for doing your job well is to get asked to do other people's jobs. And so often, particularly in the role of inventory management, I see this where you have someone who's just doing a kick-ass job and they get asked, hey, do you want to take on the inventory? And they're like, eh, sure, it sounds like I can do that. And they, I think a lot of the times don't have a full understanding of what what the job actually is. And so when they figure out what that job is, if they're really truly honest with their, themselves, a lot of times they realize that they haven't actually had proper training. A lot of the time it's figuring out how do I use my my practice management software, my PIMS? How do I how do I put in the orders? How do I receive orders into that software? I mean, a lot of the original email, a lot of the ancillary things beyond picking up the phone and placing that order that this person was talking about are things that really require training. And I think that's where we as leaders often fail our people. Um, and so I think that that is part of part of the question for me is, do you, have you been given the proper training? And I think that that absolutely needs to be um, a part of the discussion. What do you, what do you think, Andy? I agree. If we want to be efficient, we need to make sure that people have the tools that they need to get the work done. And so training for efficiency is extremely important. At the same time, when we talk about efficiency, there's usually two pieces of it for, for me that I struggle with in, in vet medicine. Number one is, has this person been trained so they can do this job and do it efficiently? Number two is, we do attract a lot of perfectionists in our industry, like a huge number. And our uh, inventory manager even says, my system needs to be perfect. Guys, in a lot of cases, perfect <laughs> is enemy of done. And there is such thing as good enough. Yeah. And, and, and people's heads just exploded a little bit. But it <laughs> is true. You know what I mean? If I have someone and I'm pulling them off the floor and I'm letting them do inventory, we need to, I need them to do a good job. But I don't need them to alphabetize, you know, every medication that we have and run an inventory count twice a week on every drug in the hospital and, you know, polish the bottles so that they look shiny. I, I, I don't need that. We need it good enough so that we are running a tight system so that we know what we have we can run our business efficiently. We're not running out of stuff. And yep. beyond that, we're kind of getting into window dressing in my mind. So again, this goes back to training. Even if training is clear communication of expectations, this is what we need done. Well, and I think that's, that's important. And I think where we as leaders often fail our employees is that we don't define what our expectation is from the outset. And so I think as a practice owner, if you don't care that your bottles are not perfectly straight on the shelf, then you need to lay that out. And, and that is time that you don't want spent. You need to lay out that expectation for your employee from the beginning. And so I think that's, um, that's an area where when you're defining these job descriptions, and I think Andy and I are both huge advocates for saying that if you have created a job for someone in your practice or a role for someone in your practice, you absolutely need to come up with a written job description for it. Um, we've talked about that before time and time again is that we 
we need to define the expectation. And so for the person who sent us this email, I would encourage you, if you don't have a written job description, that um, you take the time to write out your job expectations for yourself and and what it, what is it that you're actually doing. But also ask your ask your practice leadership, whether it's a practice manager or um, practice owner, um, a field leadership, if you're in a, in a corporate perspective, like what is, what is the expectation for you with this role and figure out where the differences are because Andy is right. We attract perfectionists, um, in massive numbers in this field. And I think we have to figure out where are the, where are the deal breakers for ourselves on both sides? And so as an employee, if you're doing the job and you feel like there are going to be things that you feel like are deal breakers for you, you have to do it this way or else you don't feel like the job is being done successfully. And I think you can talk through that with your practice owner. And you also should expect on the flip side of that, that your practice owner, your practice manager comes back at you and says, okay, these are the things that are deal breakers for me. And I don't want you spending your time doing X, Y, and Z. And you have to be willing to have that conversation because I think both sides need to be able to lay out those expectations. Because I think it is a valid point. Like you said, a practice owner or a practice manager should be able to say, I I don't need you doing these things. And I think that that's where we often fail our employees is not having those conversations. And so they're putting time and energy into trying to make things perfect. And they could very well be things that don't matter to you or that do matter to you in the sense that you don't want them spending their time and energy doing it. And so they're chasing their tail, trying to do this perfect job and it doesn't matter to you or it it isn't something that you want them to be doing. Not that it doesn't matter. You care about the job that they're doing, but it isn't something that you want them to be doing in the first place. Right. They, they end up feeling unappreciated and you end up feeling frustrated. Mm-hmm. Bad combination. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think, I think that that leads us to the third piece, which is, um, you know, what is the, what is the reward? And I think that that is, that is so much more than just um, financial. And in, in the email, um, it was very clear to me that this person takes immense pride in the work that they're doing. And I am sure that the reward for them is so much more than their compensation um, for this for this job. I do think that it's really important um, in every practice that you look at some sort of reward. And that can look a lot of different ways. And, and honestly, as a manager, as a leader, where I would start is asking that employee, what, what matters to you? What do they value? Is financial compensation for being asked to take on this role important to them? Or would they rather... Um, you know, have minimal financial compensation and be allowed to have time off the floor to get the job done? Is that what matters to them? Would they rather take a half a day off a week in exchange for doing this role? Like, do they, would they appreciate getting, um, you know, paid in the form of um, some other fringe benefit versus actual dollar per hour increases? There are a lot of ways that you can look at building additional compensation into your budget for roles like this. But I do think that it's important as a, as a leader um, in the hospital that you have to be proactive at looking at how are you going to reward people for doing the job? Because having the expectation, and I'm, I'm, 
I'm probably going to blow some people's minds here and piss some people off, but I'm going to say it. Having the expectation that our our people are doing additional jobs just because they're good at their job and not compensating for them them for it in any way is total BS. And I hear it all a, a lot still, especially in general practice, where it's like, well, the, it, the job just needs to get done, and so the, somebody has to do it. That is true. The job does need to get done, but you cannot give someone basically a second job on top of their job that you hired them to do and not expect for there to not need to be some sort of reward um, or compensation for them doing that job. It's it's ridiculous and it's it's unrealistic. And oftentimes when I start to talk to um, practice owners or practice managers who are frustrated because no one is willing to do that job or they, they, they have people leaving because they're burning through them, that is one of the first things that I start to look at is, are you, are you compensating them appropriately for that? Or are you asking them to basically do the job for free? Right. Okay. So let's bring this all together. If you're the inventory manager and you're in this position, you're going to have a meeting with the boss Mm -hmm. because you are feeling like you're burning out and you are working all the time. What are your, how is this meeting going to go? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I would say the first thing you need to do is write out what your role or job description is for yourself, right? hundred percent. So you know what, what, what you're doing and how you're doing it. Right. So come with your specifics in mind, as we said, know what you're doing, come with the intention of painting the picture in this person's mind and helping them understand what you're doing. Don't make the assumption that they know what you're doing because they probably don't. And if you think that they do know and they don't know, you're going to go in there and you're going to beat your head against the wall and they're not going to get it and you're going to be frustrated and they're going to be frustrated. So paint them a picture. Yep, absolutely. And then I think the second piece of it is um, that is part of painting the picture is, is telling them what you have done to get yourself to this point in time in terms of um, training or experience and or what do you feel like you need? What support do you need to fill in the gaps? Where, where can they help you? What do you need from them? You have to, you have to be prepared to, to make that ask in some way. Yeah. Clear expectations. Uh, what is this, what you want is, are you happy with how things are going? Are you happy with the work that I'm doing? And just get that out on the table too. If you're doing these things and you've painted this picture and they go, Oh, we didn't want you doing that. Well, I've already, I should, I may already be able to reduce the amount of work that I'm doing. So clear expectations as well. And then we're going to go into ask for help and say, these are all the things that I'm doing this is what I need. And I think this is really important. A lot of times we get frustrated and we go and we talk to the boss and we say, I'm burning out and I've got these things, but we don't actually stop and think about what we want. And what we say is I need help. And the manager says, well, what does that mean? And you go, I don't know. Right. You figure it out. Right. And of course they're not going to figure it out because they don't understand what you like, what you don't like, what your preferences are what you what you think you're really good at what you what part of this you really don't enjoy they don't know and so coming with clear expectations of what you want or what help looks like i i need more compensation or i need more time to do these things 
or I really do not like this part and I don't think that I'm good at it. Can you take this off of my plate? Mm-hmm. Yep, and so for sure. that's, that's coming with a clear plan of how you want help. And the last thing that I would say about the employee going into this meeting is that when you go and ask for help, you want to package this entire conversation. And this is, this is important. This is the most important part of this whole thing as I'm about to say. So turn the volume up. <laughs> Frame this conversation as you wanting to do a good job, you wanting to make sure that things run smoothly, you wanting to be sure that the boss or the manager or the practice owner is happy, that you want to make sure the patient care is exceptional. And that is why you are coming to ask for help. Now, you can say, I'm getting tired of not getting paid for this, or I'm getting tired of doing other people's jobs. And you might even add that. Be careful if you add that. In my experience, you're going to be much better off if you say, listen, I want to be a good technician for you. I want to do a good job with inventory for you. I feel that I am not going to be able to do those things, or I'm not going to be able to keep those things up Mm -hmm. because I am overwhelmed and I don't want to let you down. This is what I need from you. And that just feels so different. And it, it, it helps defuse that, um, that time bomb of you're on one side of the table. I'm on the other side of the table. I want, I'm going to take some more from you or you're going to give it to me. Or there's going to be a winner and a loser here. There's not a winner or a loser. You want to do good work. You want to do work that you enjoy. You want to feel appreciated. They want to have a good business. They want you to feel appreciated. They want you to do good work. Let's all get on the same page and talk about what needs to happen so that I can do good work for you in the ways that you want to have it done. And we can all feel good about it. So get in that collaborative headspace when you go and talk for help. So those are my big things. You got anything to add? I love it. No, I, I, I think that's, a fantastic, um, a fantastic piece of advice. And I think the same goes, the only thing that I would add to it is I think the same goes for when you're on the floor and, and this emailer said, you know, um, when they have asked for help or when they have been asked, can I help you? They feel like, um, the job doesn't get done right. And I think a lot of that comes from not being, um, clear, specific, and explicit in what you need from that person. And so um, remembering the next time that someone says, hey, you know, you're super busy. I know we need to place an order. Can I help you? You need to be clear with that person what you need for the job to get fully done. Because as as the person who emailed in said, it, it feels really frustrating to feel like they're trying to help. And in the end, it makes more work for you. And I think a lot of us, particularly those of us that have, um, you know, perfectionist tendencies, it's easier to just say, well, I'll just in, even if you're only saying it in your head to say, well, I'll just do it myself because it'll be way faster. Um, when someone asks you for help, you need to be really clear and specific about what you need so that the job can can truly get get done. And that includes having having a backup system in place, whether it is your manager or somebody else on the team when you're gone, because the day is going to come. You're going to have a sick day. You're going to want to take time off. 
when you're not in the practice, who's doing that job? And there has to be an expectation for what that job is and how to clearly get it done, um, even at a minimum level, even if, um, you know, it just the basics get done while you're gone and you do all of the detailed stuff when you get back. You have to have a division of labor and, and you have to have that expectation laid out for them so that you can be really clear in what does it mean when you answer the question, sure, I could use your help. Here's what I need you to do. Yeah. So let's jump over to the clinic side of this, the manager boss mm -hmm. side. When you're going to have these conversations or, or you're going to try these things or you're going to delegate or you're going to get somebody to start doing something like inventory. Yes. I am a huge fan of trial periods. Yes. One of my favorite saying is you don't get to work for me until you've worked for me. And what I mean by that is I do not like to come to somebody. So say we're in the clinic and I'm saying, Hey, Steph, can you do inventory? Can you take this over? Because I don't, I know that I don't exactly know what's involved in that, or I don't know how big a job this is going to be or how big a job is going to be for you. And so I don't know that. And so I'm not sure how to compensate you or how to rearrange your schedule or how much time you're going to need. I don't know right. those things. The other thing is, I don't know if you're going to be good at this. What if I say, hey, Steph, can you do this? And you're terrible. Or what right. if you take forever? I mean, just an unreasonable amount. Or right. what if you just, you make mistakes? Then I have to come back and say, hey, Steph, you know, I know I said I asked you to do this, but I'm going to actually have Jessica do this instead. Right. And that's damaging to our relationship. And again, if it's got to happen, it's got to happen. But I can gracefully set it up so the risk of that is much lower. And I do that with a trial period. I do that with asking you to cover for a certain amount of time. Hey, could you do this for this amount of time? Hey, can you help me reconcile the inventory next weekend? And then you're there helping me out, but I'm also watching you to see how conscientious you are and how uh, efficient you are and how quickly you move. And if you are up for doing this, does this hit that order button in your mind that you enjoy? Or is this you know, something that you really don't enjoy. I'm looking right. for all those things. And so some sort of a trial period, Hey, let's, let's try this out. Or ideally here's a set amount of time. I need help with this thing, or here's a set project I need help with. So like the social media manager, it's much easier to say, Hey, would you help us with the open house social media? Right. And right. then you see the work that do they Speak in the voice that you like or that's representative of your hospital. Do they enjoy it? Do they do good work? All those things you see. And if they do, then after that, you can say, hey, look, let's talk about what it would mean for you to do more of this. If they don't, you say, thank you very, very much for your time. That was great. Really appreciate it. Uh, maybe you can do it again next year. We'll see. And then, and then you put it away. So mm -hmm. that that trial period, if you do want to do this, say, hey, let's, let's, and I always say it up front. Let's try this out and see how it goes. And let's touch base in 30 days and see how you're feeling and where we are. And at that point, you're going to have a good idea of how much time this is going to take you, mm -hmm. what you're good at, what you're not good at. I will get to evaluate your performance at that point. And let's talk about this and, and how feasible it is. And that's the time after we both know what we're talking about, that's when we can come back and start to talk about, is there compensation associated with this? How is, is, you know, if this takes you 30 minutes a week, probably not. If it takes you three hours a week and you're not getting freed up and I need you on the floor. And so you're essentially working 37 hours as a tech, which you did before, plus an additional new three hours, you know, 
now we need to talk about some compensation. I think it's really, 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 really hard to have those conversations right out of the box before you've started and before we know what the heck we're talking about. Absolutely. So building that time in to come back and say, let's check in and you hit the nail on the head. You either, if they're working the job they were working before and you're giving them something else to do on top of it, we got to compensate them. Mm -hmm. It may be that uh, we, we have a project for them to work on that they're good at and they enjoy. If we can take other things off their plate so that they are working as they've worked before mm -hmm. and you're not giving them more work to do, they're doing different work, we mm -hmm. may not need to compensate them. Right. But we can't dump something on top of them and expect them to magically absorb it. We've got to move some things around. Right. Right. Well, and I think the key there is that you are still compensating them. You're paying them for the time that they're working, but you are making the time by taking other things off of their plate. And I think that that, that is what I was trying to say in that too often I see practices where you have a, a, you know, a technician or an assistant who is scheduled on the floor for 40 hours and then you're asking them to do this inventory job or this social media job. And you have an expectation, even if your expectation is only five hours, it may take them 10, but whatever that expectation is, you're asking them to do that in addition to what they are already working. You have to pay them for their time. Yeah. And just a little bit of empathy here goes a long way. Imagine that you were working full time and then people kept giving you new things to do. And if you don't get them done, then they're going to get mad at you and they're mm -hmm. going to write you up and they're going to give you a hard time. How long would it take you to get frustrated by oh, that? Absolutely. The answer is immediately frustrated. Absolutely. Or for, you know, for my inventory managers out there, I I know all of you are nodding your heads and I know the thought that's in your in your mind, which is that it's six o'clock, you've worked your whole shift, and you look at the inventory order book or you look at the shelves and there's stuff missing, and you have two choices. You can stay the extra hour. And you can put together the order and you can place it so that you don't have to listen to everybody yell at you all day long tomorrow when you're out of all of the things that everybody needs. Or you can go home. And so most of us are there. After hours, we're placing the order. We're getting it done because we don't want – you are absolutely correct when you say that that comes immediately. And it comes when – particularly for an inventory manager when you're running out of stuff left and right. And so that is a that is a heavy burden to bear to feel everybody's stress and frustration if you're not doing your if you're not doing your job and at the same time it is also the quickest and most easy place for there to be resentment built on the part of the person doing the job when that is the expectation that you do your normal job you also do this on top of it and you don't have the um the time dedicated and the respect given to the position that you're doing, because it is an important integral piece of making sure that the practice is being run well and being run smoothly, because we've all been in the practice when somebody's like, Hey, I need to prescribe, you know, some more cephalexin to a patient and you reach on the shelf and the bottle's got five pills left in it and there's no backup bottle on the shelf. The blame immediately goes to the inventory manager whether or not they had anything to do with the last 10 patients that got prescribed that that drug, the the blame immediately shifts to them. And that's a that's a heavy burden to bear. And so that's where I think it's really important that both sides come to the table with what is the expectation that you do have the follow-up 
like you like you said, on a pretty quick and regular basis to say, okay, now you're doing this job. How is it going? So that both sides have the opportunity to discuss when there are challenges like that and that the resentment doesn't, doesn't build. Totally. All right. We're out of time. Anything else to add? No, I love it. Cool. Awesome, buddy. Thanks for talking this through with me. Yeah, this has been a that, this has been a good one. And I just I want to say to the person who wrote this in, you are doing an amazing job. And um, I am I am super proud of the work that you're doing. It's really clear that you care about your job. And I think that you need to do yourself a favor and you need to sit down and make your leadership team understand what the job that you are actually doing is, because I bet you a hundred dollars that they don't understand the actual job that you're doing. And I, I think that you would find that if you sit down and you write it out for them, that they will have some understanding. And if you don't, I know a whole bunch of practice managers that are listening to this that are going, you can come work for me <laughs> any day. I <laughs> you want to move to Washington? I got a job for you tomorrow. <laughs> so hang in there because it is it is a tough job, but you are you're doing an exceptional job with it. Awesome. All right, guys. Have a great week. Thanks, guys.